This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. from across the globe. Pleased to have joining me on the show, John Mannins, along with two returning guests to The Last Word on Spurs, in Jim Howick, the co-writer, creator of Ghosts and Yonderland, and joining myself, John and Jim, we're pleased to welcome back to the show, journalist, website editor and TV producer, Emma Storey, as we reflect on Delhi Alley saving Tottenham Hotspur from nearly a humiliating defeat at home to Watford and looking ahead to Tottenham Hotspur back in the Champions League against Red Star Belgrade on Tuesday. Enjoy the show. John, I'm going to start with you. The way I see it, John, is that you can't show fight for five minutes and expect to win games at any level. And when you consider we're drawing to a team bottom of the league, haven't even won a game this season, 
Maybe I'm sounding John maybe a, a bit over in reaction, where I hope I'm not, but with displays like that we're witnessing, they're simply not good enough, are they, for a club of Tottenham Hotspur stature? No, it's definitely not. I, I said a couple of weeks ago that this, this fixture was probably the worst possible fixture that we could have had next, because if you don't get a result, which obviously we didn't, then... The, the pressure mounts on everybody and if you if you win people say oh well you beat the team at the bottom of the league and as it turned out the fact that we got a point and it ended up being a controversial a co- possibly a controversial goal with the VAR involvement and all that and it was the, the fact that it was like four or five minutes from the end it's just it just we just feel like we're sinking further into a massive hole that's just going to be more and more difficult to get out of as the weeks go by and obviously looking past um Tuesday in our, our next domestic fixtures is a double header away on Merseyside, which really doesn't look very doesn't look very appetising at the moment. I just hope that we can do this. I don't know, Tottenham thing where we get a result where we really shouldn't do, or where, or perhaps where people are expecting us not to, and that can be the, the catalyst and the you know the, the moment where our season really turns because we need that to happen and we need it to happen very very soon. Yeah, we do need something to ignite this season. Now, we've gone and brought back one of the most positive Tottenham fans that I know in Emma's story. But I apologise to Emma because before the show, I said to her, I do apologise, there's not much to be positive about. But Em, thank you for coming <laughs> back on the show. I mean, Deli Ali's first Thanks goal. That's a pleasure. Deli Ali's first goal since January rescued a point for Spurs. But that does not mask, Em, another dismal afternoon. It seems that at the moment, you would argue that the team has run its course what a mess of a match. At least Spurs found some fight and spirit eventually. But that was really poor again, wasn't it, Em, that 90 minutes? It really was. And I mean, I think, um, you know, what John said about having that moment where, you know, we get a result where we shouldn't do or we do something unexpected. And that's the kind of the kickstart for the season. You can't see where that's going to come from at the moment because the belief and the fight just doesn't really seem to be there in the team. Um I think in previous seasons under Pochettino where we've really had our backs against the wall, I've always felt like we've been able to fight our way out of a corner. Sometimes we don't always get, you know, all three points or the win. Um, Sometimes it can be just picking up a scrappy point when you need it. Um, But I don't sense that same belief in the team anymore. And I think yesterday was a prime example of that. We constantly keep giving effectively our opposition a head start. It's happening in pretty much every game now and and Watford was no different and as soon as you know I saw that the goal had gone in you just think oh god and it comes from a terrible defensive error with players who quite frankly I don't think should be in the team at the moment in the likes of Alderweireld and Vertonghen uh, and Danny Rose and you know it's really difficult to see how this is going to be turned around because I don't think the players are believing in themselves to turn it around and actually I don't feel that Pochettino is displaying the same level of belief in being able to turn it around that we have seen from him previously. And I think that's that's possibly what really concerns me. And I hate to be the negative person because I, I it's like you said, I am generally one of the most positive people about Tottenham, but it's very hard to find the positives in anything uh, in the current sort of run of performances. I guess Delhi finally getting a goal. Maybe this is the turning point for his season personally we can go with now. Uh, but it's hard to find... You know, Sonny, constant positive. Obviously, we love him. But other than that, it it, it really is difficult to see where, where the good spots are for us at the moment. Mm, I 100% agree with that. I mean, Jim, delighted to have you back on the show again. Sorry for the circumstances of it. But as Emma yeah. said there, I mean, Ali Strike got Spurs out of jail. But that was a pretty abject display, albeit in the face of a really committed Watford side. You was there, Jim. What did you make of that performance? Uh, just dismal, really. 
there was no fight, um, there was no press, there was no hunger, no desire. We, we were last to all the 50-50 balls. Um, we were watching balls bounce all over the pitch. And um, it's, it's just, it, there's a general funk, I think, across the entire team. It's, it's hard to pick out sort of individual problems because our, so confidence, many. Just, <laughs> yeah, our confidence just looks shot across the team. You know, we've got no confidence in possession. Mm. We don't work hard enough uh, without the ball. And, um, and we, we just can't seem to create anything. You know, it's a good job that Watford are as bad as they are at the moment. Otherwise, they would have soundly beaten us. Jim, can I ask you, it's becoming increasingly hard to fathom some of Podetino's selections. I mean, how many times is he going to reward failure in defence when there are other options available to him? Can you work out what he's doing from a tactical and selection perspective at the moment? I mean, I just don't think he's got the luxury of, of, of picking around uh, Jan and Toby at the moment. That's the problem. And, uh, you know, obviously we know that Toby probably wants to be somewhere else. Uh, well, we don't really know. It's all just speculation. But, you know, I mean, setting up with three sacks against Watford is, is telling anyway. I'm not sure why we were set up so defensively yesterday. Um, but it's a tricky one. You know, I thought it would have been an ideal uh, game to give Foyth a, a run out. Um, you know, I always saw Foyth as sort of the replacement. I think Poch did as well for right back. You know, we don't know if he uh, could be consistent in that position, but... I think it would have been an ideal game to to, to give him a start. Um, I just yeah, I mean across the we've got four defenders there uh, in Urie, Rose, uh, Jan, and Toby who just they just don't look like they want to play. You know, it's a really tricky one, isn't it? I mean, John, you would think if he made the changes, maybe tried Davis, Walker, Peters, Foyth, played Ndombele, you would think as well, and still drawn one-one, you'd be in a position where you might be able to. I wouldn't say take it more, but at least understand that he's trying to make the changes. But at the moment, John, we seem to be using players who haven't connected for the best part of over a year now, and we're using them over and over again and expecting the results to change. And what you want him to do, surely, is to try something different. Absolutely. I think what puzzles me the most, as Jim touched on there, is, you know, Foyth played twice for Argentina during the international break, and you think, right, so he's fit, he's ready to play. I'm not sure what's gone on with Kyle Walker-Peters. Maybe he's upset Pochettino. I really don't know because he, he didn't start the season. He didn't, all right, he weren't great, but he weren't terrible. When he's a young player, he needs chances to, you know, he needs to, he needs to be able to play to be able to improve. And the fact that Aurier keeps getting picked ahead of him and he's always got a massive mistake in him. Although, to be fair, Aurier did make a, a really important challenge um, when Watford really should have gone 2-0 up um, in the second half. But, the one that the one that is beginning to actually really annoy me is the is the, the left back conundrum because it shouldn't be a conundrum. Mm. Ben Davies signs a new contract along with Harry Winks on the same day um, before the season begins, and you think, right, well, this is where this is where we're going to go now. There's going to be a change at left back, a permanent change, which is, has been needed now, in my opinion, for a while. Because Dan, I'm not saying that Danny Rose has done. He's, he's been one of my favourite players for a long time, but I just think now's the time. He needs to be phased out because, let's face it, he was he was willing to let him go during the summer. And I can't see anything in his performances that's made Pochettino go, actually, I got this one wrong. He is still an important player for us because he was he was rubbish again on Saturday. Should have been out quicker to the ball to stop the cross coming in for their goal. And Ben Davies played really well for Wales the week before against Croatia, set up a lovely goal for Gareth Bale um, whilst playing for their national side. So 
he, he's obviously fit. He's ready to go. So I, I just don't get it. I, I'd like to see um, a change at the back as well, perhaps starting on Tuesday, because it pains me to say, but I think Vertonghen's legs have just gone. This, he's not the same player this season that he was before. Did Maurizio uh, know more than we did then, John? So when he dropped him at the start of the season for tactical reasons, as fans, we thought, well, hold on a second, this is the best centre-back at the football club, we're dropping him. Did he, do you think, have an, in, an instinct here that he knew maybe he was coming towards the end? It's just bizarre. We're talking about a defender that we've known him to be the Rolls-Royce, the, one of the best centre-backs in the whole of Europe, and now we're questioning whether he's good enough for the football club. I think the thing is that at 32, you know, there's there, a lot of the, to be fair, a lot of the best centre-backs in Europe are older players. If you look at Sergio Ramos, Giorgio Chiellini, Diego Godin, players like that, they are in their early, t- towards their mid-30s. But for the, the pace and the, I don't know, the physical rigours of the Premier League, perhaps it's different and you should be judged <laughs> judged differently because you play in this league. But for me, I just think the thing that we miss at, we miss at the back through the middle is pace and I think Davinson does give you that and for me he, he, he's I would start him week in week out Sanchez he's another one of them players who one year into a new six year contract and, and it just can't be good for the psyche of the players who have committed to the club because a lot of them are not playing well at least three of them in that back in that back four over players that are, you know are going to be gone in a year's time and the, the fact that they're still playing it, it just it baffles me it really does I'm not saying that we need to chuck in um, Tenganga and Parrot needs to play and things like that. But what I am saying is you need to you need to be looking towards the future. And what worries me a little bit in a minute is Pochettino seems to be clinging on a little bit too hard to the past. And he needs, you know, Alderweireld and Vertonghen are not going to be there next year. Sanchez will be, Foyth will be, hopefully, you know. We need to start putting them, them players in because they can't perform any worse, can they? It's not like the bar has been set higher this year. So a change is needed, and I think hopefully it starts um, on Tuesday. Before I bring it on to M, John, question here from Janet Ilias. Was that a vital point in our bid to avoid relegation this season? <laughs> I think it's a serious or a joke question, the way it's going at the moment. Well, this is the thing. If you look, the league table's ridiculous still I know. at the minute. Yeah. It's like the, the top one are doing all right, but the, everyone, everyone else is a bit of a shambles. Well, we're four or five points off top four, and I think we're four or five points off the bottom three. Yeah, I think it's it's one of them where this season's this season's clearly going to be one of them another one of them seasons where everything's going to be decided pretty early. I think, yeah, we're five points off of fourth place, but the way we've played so far this season, you <laughs> should be a lot more than that. Really, I, I would I would say, don't worry too much about the uh, about relegation. And even if we did, we're not we might win the championship next year. So look forward to it. <laughs> that will shut up the trophy dodgers, <laughs> wouldn't it? If we go and do that. But please, God, we are still in the Premier League. God, a long way to go. We're not suggesting that for, for, for one second, at least not at this moment anyway. Um, question from Caroline Stefko who says, do you see the team turning things around with the current rotation or are we just doomed until some of the injured players get back into this squad? <laughs> are we just doomed? God, that's a depressing question. Um, I think doomed is possibly a little bit strong, but I do feel that it's a bit kind of, you know, what John was saying about constantly picking the same defence and expecting to get a different result to how they're, you know, how they've been performing previously. Um, I totally agree that I think we need to mix things up a bit. And I think bringing the likes of, you know, giving Sanchez a good run in the side, getting Foyth back in, you know, I was mystified as to why he didn't play. I have to assume maybe it's jet lag or tiredness from coming back from international duty. He's only just back from injury, but God, he better play on, on Tuesday. I would be furious if he doesn't start. And yeah, I mean, the, 
the the illogical decision by Pochettino to constantly keep, keep picking Rose over David. It just makes no sense now, not from a tactical point of view, not from a desire point of view. I mean, the thing about Danny Rose, the reason that we've always all loved him is the fact that he really seems to, he really gets it and he cares and he, he gives everything from the team, even if he's always got a you know catastrophe or two in him. But he doesn't do that anymore. You know, he was completely, he has been completely listless the last few weeks. And so if he's not even bringing like the passion and the drive to the team, then he's not bringing anything. So for me, I, I really feel like the starting 11, particularly at the back, really, really needs a shake up. And it's got to be done soon because this whole thing, you know, what it's, the definition of madness is constantly doing the same thing and expecting to get a different outcome. And that's what Pochettino's going through at the moment. He's constantly doing the same thing and hoping to get a different outcome. And it's just not going to happen in this current starting 11, particularly the shape at the back that he's, he's, he's doing. And I, I think if he doesn't make those changes, if he doesn't make the bold steps that he needs to, I can't see how this is going to turn around. I really can't. Yeah. And I hate to say that. Mm. I know Jason's absolutely screaming right now when he hears Danny Rose, he gets it. I think Jason's had enough of Danny Rose getting it for a long time now. I know he's calling for a change. Over to you, Jim. Jason Smith says, is Pochettino partly to blame for not dropping his back four, even though they are playing awful football? Well, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's, it's like Emma said there and, and John, you know, the back four needs a shake-up. There's just no doubt about it. It can't get any worse. Um, but at the same time, you know, as you said, Toby and Jan were, were the envy of the league a, a couple of seasons ago. Um, and even last season, there was no real reason to think that they would be the first sort of two players dropped. But there has to, something has to happen because um, there's no confidence at the back at the moment. So, um, you know whether that's that's Poch being stubborn. I mean, it's almost perverse just playing the same players each week uh, when the, we're the, the, we're playing with the form that we are. So um, yeah, I think he he can't uh, he has to sort of take a bit of blame. A damning statistic on that defence we had up at Watford: we lost the ball ninety-one times. Aurea twenty-seven. Alderweireld 27, Rose 19, Vertonghen 14, yeah. Sanchez 4. I mean, keep playing like this and they'll upgrade that Amazon documentary to a primetime BBC drama, yeah. won't they? It, it's it's uh, really, well, really know, concerning. You had the question earlier about relegation and, and, and look, I don't think anyone's thinking that yet. But look, we cannot deny. This is relegation 4. Yeah. About yet. <laughs> uh, no, yet, exactly. But, you know, look, this is relegation form so something needs to happen it's a long time till January we know we can't uh, afford to wait until then you know we've got Lo Celso hopefully he should be back they're training with the team now yeah I mean you know and, and on Bele, uh I'm not sure if he was is he injured I'm not if he had, had, a, had a knock or was he going to start I'm not sure he was on the bench wasn't he this weekend so Look, we need someone to retain the ball in the middle of the park and uh, uh, and allow us to, to get to attack again that's what needs to happen. The back four needs a shake-up. The, the problems are obvious, but it's, it's just hard. You know, I, I want to know what he's thinking well, do you know when what? he starts players. I have to ask you, Jim, in a way, you know, the goal and the mini brought the end, it showed the players seemed to want the fight, but we waited just far too long. Do you want to see Pochettino in a way to get more angry after such an insipid performance from Tottenham? Do you want to kind of call out those that are letting the side down? Because in a way... He has this kind of big defensive shield up against the players and he's willing to take all the flack and none of it goes on the players. And listen, the players love him for that. The fact that he is so protective of them. 
But do you think sometimes Jimmy has to give it back to them and let them know when they're not performing? Because at the moment, he's taking all the stick and the players seem to be getting away with it. Well, that's true, yeah. But I think we know it's obvious what player, the players that are underperforming. I don't think he really needs to publicly damn them. I don't know what that would achieve, to be honest. But I think that you know he's got to remain positive. That's all he can do. There, look, when Son, Sonny came on, you know it would have been nice for him to have pushed uh, pushed a little bit centre a, a bit sooner. He was sort of left on his own in the wing. He had that chance. He hit the bar. There were some positives. Delhi was getting into good places and making some good runs. But it was the overall desire of the team that was the problem. It was the overall hunger. Um, there was a time when those players had run through walls for Poch, and and now they, you know, they'll they'll turn on a jog. Maybe it, there's something something's wrong, um, and it's it's hard to analyse. It's hard to analyse because you, we just I just do not know what's caused this this depression at our club. <laughs> It's the only way to describe it, isn't it? Depression at the moment with Tottenham. John, some of the performances against Watford, we know they were shambolic, but the concerning thing is that they're coming from the most experienced players who should be setting the example to the rest. I mean, does there come a point for you, John, where there's only kind of so much pass on the head you can do to a player before you need to admit that as good as they've been for you over the years, they're just not doing the business anymore and you have to change it? Is that fair? I mean, I only ask because... You look at statements like he says, you know, we want signings, then we don't want signings, and he kind of contradicts himself. So then when he says we don't want signings, the players then hide behind him and continue to underperform. Do you see where I'm coming from with that, John? Yeah, absolutely. I think <clears throat> the trouble is that, you know, the two most experienced players, outfield players, are the two centre-halves, and the fact that they're, in, you know, they're running their contracts down doesn't help. As much as... Gazaniga couldn't really do much with the goal. I think we, I look at the team sheet, and when Hugo Lloris's name is not there, I just I fear a little bit in the way that I used to when Ledley King's name used to be missing. I yeah. would be playing Callum Davenport and Anthony Gardner instead. <laughs> God. You know, you get you know what I mean. Yeah, I of course. Yeah. The, the trouble is, I think at the moment Pochettino doesn't know whether he's coming or going because the messages that probably mate, if he's if he's relaying these kind of contradictory messages to us, I think that's because that's what he's getting from upstairs. Because I honestly believe that. After reading um, the notes from the trust meeting last week, I do think that some of the things that Daniel Levy said were really revealing. And I do think that he feels he's let his manager down, which is which is why he will not wield the axe. And I think if if Daniel Levy had delivered what Michel Pochettino wanted, and then and then we're playing this bad, then then perhaps Pochettino's in a bit of trouble. But the fact is, Daniel Levy. Probably, you know, he wanted to offload players in the summer that we didn't, we weren't able to for whatever reason. And I think that that's, that that is, you know, that what we're seeing now is a very fractured squad. You're gonna, have, it's going to be very clicky. Players that don't want to be there, players that do care, players that care too much, players that care not enough. And the whole thing at the minute just stinks of everyone hoping that someone else will do it for them. And think, you know, everyone wants that. You know, we have we've got a talismanic player in Harry Kane, but you need to you need service. We need someone who will get hold of the game by the scruff of the neck and take it to the opposition. And I think everyone's just scared to do that at the minute. And when I'm watching us play, you know, insipid, the word you just used there is a perfect word to use because that's exactly what it is. It just feels like everyone's scared to try something in case it goes wrong because they know the crowd's going to be straight on their back. And you can't blame the crowd for that. We all go and pay good money to watch these guys perform. And when they're not performing, you know, I think you're perfectly within your rights to tell them that you're not impressed with it. I just think that we need, just we just need something to bounce off someone's ass one day soon, and 
hopefully, you know, early on, and then we don't want to do what we did to Crystal Palace a few weeks ago. And maybe, maybe, like I said, that will be the catalyst. But yeah, something needs to change. We need to, there needs to be a mentality change within the squad and a real sea change amongst the club. We need to. We're we're a massive club. There's some really really talented players in that squad. I think they just need to believe in themselves a little bit more and we'll start seeing some better results. Yeah, I mean, whilst you sit there and say, John, for you, for the moment, you feel that his job is safe. When you look at the last 21 matches in all competitions, won five, drawn six, lost 10, scored 28, conceded 36, just three clean sheets. Unfortunately, there's going to naturally be speculation about the manager's future because it's not all his fault, don't get me wrong, and the players are a huge part of it, but you do feel he could have contributed better in what's been this horrendous run of form at the football club. And Emma, I have to ask you, for me, I look at it and I think, would you honestly rather see players like Oliver Skip, Jaffet Tanganga, Troy Parrott in this Tottenham Hotspur side, rather than the players that don't want to commit themselves to Spurs, or feel they do not have enough competition for their places and put in these such poor displays? I mean, there might be the argument at the moment they're not good enough, but at least you would know they would come out, fight for the badge, give 100%, which at the moment we don't, I think, see on that field. Yeah, I agree. And the, the the thing is, is that it's all very well to say that the likes of Skip or Parrot are not ready for the first team or good enough for the first team or for you know a consistent run. But let's face it, it can't get much bloody worse than what we're currently seeing at the moment. Like, I, you know, it's it's hard to say that there's an argument for keeping players in the team that are performing so badly because you're worried of what their backups or their replacements will do instead because they actually can't really do any worse. I mean, my God, we lost 7-2 to Bayern Munich. I know Bayern Munich are a good side, but seven goals. We have never conceded seven goals at home in any competition for more than 100 years. And somehow our supposedly great team that last season were Champions League finalists managed to do that. So, you know, how much worse can it get if if you stick skip in for, for a match and sack Ericsson off and, you know, banish him to train with the reserves because he clearly doesn't want to be anywhere near near us. Like, you know, why not? I mean, it can't it can't get much worse, really. So I, I don't see why why Pochettino can't take some more risks with, with the lineup because who who knows? You may get lucky. I mean, you think back to uh, the start of Pochettino's career as manager, you know, when his job was really under threat, we had the Villa game and Harry Kane, who nobody really rated outside of our club before then, turned it round and, and look at what's happened to Harry Kane now. He's yeah. literally one of the best strikers in the world. Who's to say that we haven't got another diamond like that, just waiting to step up to to be the next Harry? You know, that they have to be there. And, and based on what we currently see on the pitch, I mean, the, the thing that kills me the most always, it's just like you said, players playing for the badge and playing for the club and looking like they want to fight for us. We are not seeing that on the pitch. And I would, you know, I can live with losing badly. I can live with getting humiliated as long as I feel like the team has left everything out on the pitch that they possibly could do. But for me, that stems back all the way to the Champions League final. We didn't turn up in the Champions League final mentally. We didn't leave everything out there. And for me, that was the the most gutting thing about the defeat was not the fact that we lost because... I didn't really expect us to win, but it was the, the the standard of desire and performance that we put in. And I feel like mentality, unfortunately, has just continued on into the whole of this season. And I think, you know, as the, the guys touched on before, we had a number of players um, at the club who we were expecting to get rid of this summer and we were expecting to be out of the picture. None of them have really left. 
um, for varying reasons, you know, some with clubs not coming in, some with, you know, money not being agreed, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's not, you can't blame it all on Levy. There are extenuating circumstances in, in some situations, but the bottom line is they're still at the club when Pochettino wanted them out or thought they would be gone. And I think it's eating away at the team mentality in, inside. There's something very wrong with the with the the mentality and the spirit around our team. And I think while the, the squad exists in current form, I don't see how that can be fixed because it, it's just eating away at us. You can see it. There's no you know there's no performance um, ability. Like there's no desire. There's no drive. There's no pride. Like it doesn't it certainly doesn't feel like that when you watch them on the pitch and that's the most devastating thing at the moment and I think that you know we'll sod it just put the youngsters in and see see what they can do maybe not at Anfield because you know that's a baptism of fire but after that why not or like starting on Tuesday against Red Star Belgrade I mean there isn't we haven't got much to lose really as far as the Champions League campaign goes now because it's gone so badly so far already so you know why not my mm. argument anyway yeah no I see where you're coming from for me I've said it I think to you Jim before we came on here it's the lack of communication that's the biggest concern but back on that Watford game let's reflect on that lineup. we had Christian Eriksen who failed a fitness test for Spurs so it was a back three with Oria and Rose as the wing backs Dilly Ali and Lucas Mora earned recalls I just wondered, Jim, for you, how can you set up a side whereby your only creativity comes from your fullbacks, and then you start Danny Rose and Serge Aurier? Does that baffle you at all? Well, yeah. I mean, seeing Serge on the team sheet baffled me from the from the outset. But I, I think that you know, I, I mean, I would have liked to see Sonny start. I know that he got back from international duties yeah. uh, not too long before the game. But I think he could have, you know, it would have been better to, to get the first goal, right, than, than bring him on sort of to try and get us out of trouble. It, it You know, I was looking forward to seeing uh, Delhi get back to his best, you know, just sitting behind Harry, uh, coming back. You know, his best is that link-up play. And, you know, we, we've missed that massively. I think the problem is, is that when, when the want-away players and the players that aren't settled at the club um, happen to be... Your well, the, a handful of your best players at the club. That's that's the problem here. It's quite a simple problem, really. We didn't do the business we wanted to do, and now we're stuck uh, with with uh, players that want away who happen to be our best players. So, you know, I mean, creative, creatively, I thought it was a very very defensive uh, team. It wasn't as attacking as it should have been, and this is you know this is Watford at home. We should they should have been there for the taking. What's more concerning, John, coming over to you, is that Spurs boss Maurizio Pochettino made the seven changes to the starting eleven for the game against Watford. That was Spurs' most between two Premier League games in a season in Premier League history. I mean, there is that argument at the moment that we're chopping and changing, chopping and changing. Is that another concern, John, that we haven't really got a settled team? Because we've got a question in here from Stuart THFC, Stu Star 1984, who says, why start with three centre-backs at home to Watford? Potts needs to stick with a line-up and a formation and have faith in it, making one or two changes at a time. Changing seven each week unsettles our team and we have no consistency. I think the trouble is he's, sort of, he's starting to clutch a little bit. I think that's the trouble. You know, as, as Jim just said there, Son didn't come back till it was a bit late, so that gave Lucas a chance, who... He really didn't grab it at all, did he? I'm afraid Lucas Moura was pretty disappointing. I think uh, Delhi's another one that he, you know he needed some time, and I, I was really pleased that he was in that scored the goal because, as we said earlier, hopefully this kicks him on now because he, you know he's such a good player when he's on it that hopefully we'll see 
the old Delhi return. And I, I just think that when you're going into a game against the team bottom of the league, if we if you're in top form, you can make seven changes and it doesn't really change much. But because we are we're on the you know at the other end of that spectrum where we're coming into the game in poor form, I think it's a little bit it just smacks a little bit of the manager being a bit desperate. And I think if you look at the... See, I always see a three-at-the-back formation as pretty attacking in as much as you've pretty much got three forwards on the pitch there. You're trying to compensate for the fact that Watford, Watford are playing pretty much a back five, so it allows Lucas and Delhi to play a lot further forward if you've got what is pretty much still a four-man midfield across the, across the pitch with three centre-half supporting. And what you'd like to see, and what would have happened in the past when we were in good form, is Toby brings the ball out and he, and he smashes a diag for Rose and... Jan brings the ball out and plays the ball into midfield and we build from there, but it just didn't happen. And you could have changed as many or as few players as you wanted and I think we still would have got the same kind of performance purely because there's no confidence running through the squad whatsoever. If you've got a confident team, you can make changes like that and, and it doesn't really tell. But, you know, yesterday it did and it would be interesting to see, you know, who's available on Tuesday because if Ericsson's fit, he probably comes back in. Hopefully, Son um, is, is ready to start as well. And you know, for me, I, I still think that four-two-three-one is our best formation with the players that we've got in our squad. That is what suits. And I think um, we'll see Lamella coming back in, Son coming back in, and like I say, Ericsson if he's fit. If not, play Delhi again. But it'll—I'm afraid it will be another few changes because I'll tell you what—it won't be. It won't be the same eleven that started yesterday, started again on Tuesday because hardly any of them warranted uh, being picked again, did they? No, they didn't. Well, guys, we're going to go for a very quick break. And when we return, we're going to go right deep into that Watford game to discuss the goals, the VAR drama, Pochettino's post-match comments, and also looking ahead to Red Star Belgrade to come in the Champions League on Tuesday. Don't you go anywhere. Taking us into the break, we've got the brilliant Anna from Spurs XY, who is covering all of our fixtures for the Spurs ladies this season, as she reflects on Tottenham Hotspur ladies taking on West Ham's this afternoon. Hello everyone, I'm Anna from Spurs XY and welcome back to the Spurs women's segment here on The Last Word on Spurs. Spurs has played away against West Ham at Rush Green today in the Continental Tyres Cup and unfortunately I couldn't make it to the game but a good friend of mine offered kindly to update me on not only the scores, I mean I could have been updated on the scores on Twitter, but also the general atmosphere and the chances missed and created as well. So, without further ado, let's get into it. The starting lineup was quite different. Um, for example, Chloe Morgan started in goal. Leon Scalacci, Philby, and Siri were at the back four. Peplo Haynes, Green, and Wynn were on midfield. And Lucy Quinn and Rihanna Dean were up front. It's quite interesting to see, actually. Um, very varied lineups from week in, week out. But um, as I said, it's still all of a case of everyone getting to know each other and playing with each other. So, from all I could gather in the first half, it seemed like. It ended nil-nil, uh, but it seemed like uh, both teams had their chances, but mainly because of defensive errors. So, for example, we almost gave away an own goal where a back pass to Chloe ended really weirdly. Um, well, ended well, thankfully, but uh, she was way off her line, but thankfully she got back in time to clear. But then a defensive error by West Ham almost led to our goal. But then also West Ham missed an open goal after a Jenna Scalacci error. So... It was interesting. Um, overall, West Ham apparently were better in the half, but just they did not make use of three good chances they eventually had. We had a couple, uh, but overall it seemed like we were lucky to be with nil-nil going into the half. Um, sounded like Megan Wynn was the best player, the most liveliest player in the half. Um, 
but apparently our defence was just too much messing around and the short kicks were not working out. I mean, we know from the men's team that doesn't always work out either. Um, but then Rihanna scored, made it 1-0. Uh, another chance for us as well. And we were just dominating apparently in the second half. And then we got to 2-0 as well. A shot from Josie and a slight deflection off Rihanna. And, you know, we were going in 90 minutes and it was all looking really nice and joyful until 91st minute. It was 2-1. At that point, I was still thinking, oh, okay, we can still, we've still got this. Like, let's just keep it tight. But then in the 94th minute, they've equalised. So the full-time ended 2-2. Um, it was a free kick, which was interesting. It may, may or may not have been a free kick. But either way, uh, in the Continental Tires Cup, if there's a draw, you because it's it's like in a group stage, it's a bit different than a normal cup stage, not knockout stages. Um, you then go to penalties so you can re achieve a bonus point if you win penalties. So we obviously, both teams already had one point and then we went to penalties to see who could get a bonus point. So um, this is pretty much the only time I've ever seen the team getting away with two points from a game. It's rather interesting, I must say. Uh, but the pens went really well for us. Uh, we scored one and then we saved one. No, they missed one. Anyway, they didn't score their goal. And then we scored two, then it was 2-1. Uh, unfortunately, so Peplo scored the first one, Quinn scored the second one, Kit Graham's one got saved, unfortunately. Then Chloe Morgan saved the goal. Rihanna Dean scored one. Um, and then... Uh, Furness to win it and she did so we won 4-2 on penalties which was great and uh, we got the extra points so we got the two points overall it seemed like the first half we were lucky to go in with a draw but you know then again we could have also scored you know that's the kind of way football works sometimes so that was that and then in the second half we really should have buried the game from what I can hear which is dominating and we did go 2-0 up I think it's rather sad that we we threw away a 2-0 lead in the space of four or five minutes in stoppage time as well so hopefully the the girls will learn from that and be a bit sharper to close out the game in the last few minutes but then you know they showed a lot of character in actually stepping up scoring the goals Chloe also saved one as well and obviously West Ham missed one anyway. So um, so that's pretty good. Uh, I'm very pleased with that, that they managed to still get the extra point. Obviously, three points are still better than uh, two, but two is still better than one. Um, oh, simple master, I know, right? Anyway, uh, that's pretty much it from me. Uh, I'm pleased with the ladies. Honestly, I'm just looking forward to going to watch them at White Hot Lane soon in November. It's in a month's time. I already saw the advertisements yesterday. Uh, in the stadium so very excited about that stay tuned the minute I know more about it you'll know more as well so yeah that was it from me I hope you enjoy the rest of the show and come on you Spurs hello guys and welcome back to the last word on Spurs we had the brilliant Anna there taking you through the break with the Spurs women if only we could speak more positively about the men the way things are going at the moment but we've got to discuss Jim I'm so sorry Watford's opening goal we're promising, guys, we're going to try and make this as upbeat as we, as we possibly can. But, my God, it is tough. So, Jim Watford took the lead. Yamat had oceans of space behind Danny Rose and curled across into Decore on the other side. We got in behind Oria and Aldevira to fire home. And it really was a woeful start for Tottenham. But, defensively, how concerning was that? Just how we was caught out, Jim, so early on into the game? Well, firstly, I thought it was a well-taken goal. I thought it was a good goal. But I thought... We just gave them too much space in the midfield. We, they were bossing the midfield six minutes in. We weren't pressing them. We weren't, we weren't pressurising them on the ball. They were able to uh, make that crossfield pass. Danny Rose was nowhere near his man. Uh, and, and, and there you go. I mean, it was a good ball into the box. 
uh, Toby looked like he was uh, chasing his man. Gazaniga could have done better, perhaps. You know, it's what's annoying is that we gave them a foothold in the game six minutes in. That's what's annoying. And I'll tell you what else as well, is that after that, everyone around me was saying, oh, they're just going to park the bus now. They're just going to park the bus. They didn't park the bus. They came out. They, they were playing a high, a high line throughout, throughout that first half. They, in the end, it was like we were the away team in the end. But they, were, they were playing with composure. And, um, you know, we could have lost this game. Do you know what, just on that point, on Danny Rose specifically, Dennis Menis asks here... Why play Danny Rose so high up the pitch when we had other players on the bench that would be more of a threat in that position? Can you work that one out? Well, the thing is, I did, you know, I genuinely believe you never know what Danny Rose is going to turn up. So you could get a Danny Rose who's going to like first touch nutmeg a player on a break mm. and play outstanding, play with all of his heart and all of his soul, and that's why we love him. But then you could get a, 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 a sulky, petulant display, um, a display with no real focus and this and Saturday was an example of the latter I'm afraid and that's the thing I think that's the reason why Poch still starts Danny Rose even after his poor form the last few games in, is that you know he's capable of turning it on um, it just wasn't to be this Saturday I'm afraid no we haven't seen it enough have we and M you know it was so similar for Watford wasn't it you know Rose getting caught under Cathcart's high ball and none of the three centre-backs can stop the Corey from finishing Yamat's cross. It just seemed such basic stuff. And it's so frustrating that early on, him to concede a goal where we know in that stadium you, you don't want to concede early. That's the one thing as a team. Spurs also, with the form they're on, it just seems very hard at the moment to be able to change a game when you do let that first goal go in. Yeah, I think the issue is, is that we seem to get into this habit, have got into this habit of giving teams a head start um, giving them an early goal, giving them a foothold in the game, giving them the, the motivation to, to really put us under pressure. Um, and it's happening a lot at home. And it is difficult to bounce back from that. I think Pochettino mentioned in his post-match comments that actually he didn't think the atmosphere inside the stadium was, was exactly what he would hope for and what he would want until the final 20 minutes where he felt like the fans really got behind the team. But when you consistently give away really sloppy, poor goals early on at home, in front of a capacity stadium, when you're going through a bad run, it is hard for the fans to to, to provide that motivation and that that passion that, that Pochettino says he wants to feed off. And it, you know, you can't blame the fans for for not being able to to get themselves up for 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 backing the, the team when the team on the pitch don't seem to be getting up for playing the match itself. And and I think, you know, defensively, that Watford goal was just a shambles. I mean, the Danny Rose issue is an issue, but I, I don't think he was as much at fault. The ball came in and actually, where, where Rose didn't didn't catch the man, like, actually, that didn't necessarily have to be a dangerous thing. Yeah. Had the centre-backs and had Aurier been in the right place and had read the game and been back in position, like, that ball came into the box and no one was there. They were all chasing shadows. And that's... That's poor from as experienced as Olderville and and Vertonghen. That's really poor, and you know we can't build anything from the back when we have a defensive line that are playing. Out. It's like um, the guy said earlier; it's doing the basics badly. You know, we're not asking for 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 miracles and rocket science here. This is things that you know experienced international um, high class defenders should be able to do, kind of with their eyes closed, really. So, I, I do feel that it, it's it's a, a tough ask um, to. To, to kind of come a match and turn a match round when actually we're, we're starting so poorly. It seems like 
I think what used to happen in the last couple of seasons is that even if we start poorly, you always had a kind of belief and a confidence that we'd turn it around. You would, You'd always yeah. be like, yeah, well, Harry will get a goal. Well, Sonny will get a goal. The will get one in. And you don't have that feeling anymore. No, like, inevitability to, oh, OK, so we've got one down. It's fine. We've got plenty of time to score too. You don't feel that anymore. Like, you don't believe in it. And I, I think that stems from the fact that the, the team don't really seem to believe in that anymore. And, um, and it, it's contagious, unfortunately. And in the size of a stadium that we have now, where we have 62,000 fans paying premium money to come and watch this week in, week out, and start to, to affect the atmosphere and to fester a kind of, you know, discontent. John, I'm going to come round to you. I want to pick up what Em said there, John, about the, the atmosphere, the, Danny Rose as well. Question here first before I ask you, John. This is from L. Anderton. It says, how bad do Rose and Aurea have to play to get dropped? They offer nothing going forward and are shocking defensively. Between the two of them, we had one decent cross all game. That formation was reliant on them providing good service, which was never going to happen. Is that fair, John? Absolutely, it's fair, yeah. I think that's, you know, that's been our biggest problem this season is that we are, you know, we all, we all got on the back of Kieran Trippier last year. And I must admit, we're, I think personally, we're missing it. Big time. I think he, he. I don't want to say too much about what he would or wouldn't have been doing if he was still in this team because you never know. But I think we we probably possibly got rid of the wrong right back in the summer, and you know that's where we're now paying the price for that. And again, we didn't get rid of one um, during the, also during the summer at left back in Rose. But I'm just hoping that you know this could be the perfect formation for Ryan Sessegnon to come in and thrive in because he's played between fullback and left mid and I think this could be, you know, the, the perfect setup for him. I just hope that he actually he actually once upon a time kicks a ball for Tottenham because we've had him we signed him in July and you know, I think it was July and we obviously we've not seen him yet. And I think yeah. that that is the frustration. I think we could be talking about something very different had we not been still so reliant on players who didn't want to be there in as much as we could have replaced Ericsson and Rose, for example, with Sessignon and La Celso, but injuries and other things have, you know, have got in the way of that. George, John, that's a very interesting point you make there, because Derek Long also says, if you were Pochettino, would you start setting at left-back as soon as possible? I presume you would at the moment with Danny Rose's form. Well, dip- I mean... Or Ben Davis. I mean, Ben Davis yeah. hasn't done much wrong to not also be considered now, should he, as well? It, yeah. it, it's baffling. I mean, John, do you understand how Rose's form has kind of fallen off a cliff this season? And for, for all that endeavour, he has become a bit of a liability at the back. I mean... He, Blunt instrument going forward. You know, Spurs seem to have overused the right hand sides of the pitch because there was simply no point in attacking down the other flank. To be a wing back in Pochettino's system and to train the way he wants you to train. I remember when he first came in, the Southampton players were saying you need three lungs and two hearts. And I think Danny Rose is probably just a little bit. Mm. I know he's only 29, but he's had some really debilitating uh, injuries over the last few years. And I think that probably hasn't helped. And he's probably aged. At, um, a lot quicker than he might have done if he hadn't have suffered such injuries. So, I think Davies is the first choice for me. He has to be, and then we'll see what he wants to do with Session when he comes when he comes into the team. Whether I mean, we'll find out pretty soon whether Pochettino sees him as a left back or as a player to use further forward. But yeah, yeah I just think Danny Rose, he's like a, he needs putting out of his misery. I think, and you keep you keep flogging him, and I just think that <laughs> it doesn't help. The no. thing is, it doesn't help him either as well because you know that Danny Rose is one of these quite emotional players who wears his heart on his sleeve, and he's had his, you know, he's he battled demons in the past as far as mental health and stuff like that goes. And I just think that he needs to be in a really good place 
within himself to be able to give what he needs to give to the team on a Saturday. And at the minute, he clearly he, that's not where he is. He's not in the right headspace to be able to perform. And I think for him, that's probably that's probably his problem. With Aurier, I just think Aurier is just a he's a donut. I think he has the opposite problem where he, he needs if you know he's, he's he can be so good on paper. He's got everything, the athleticism and the energy that he's got. He's probably what you know they're the two key things really why he was brought in in the first place. But he just has too many brain farts that end up costing the team and costing him. And I think, you know, as Emma said, that, that he was just so slow getting round for their goal and Toby and Yan were too slow down backers as well. And I just think we, we obviously need a rebuild. We need to, we need to rip it up and start again. The trouble is you can't see that happening in January. So we're just going to have to try and get through this season and hope that that Amazon documentary ends up with a, an FA Cup win in May. Otherwise, it's going to be one depressing watch. Blimey. Yeah, I mean, like I said, at the moment... I'm not looking forward to that. I mean, Sir Jury, just on a point you made, John, you know, he is not shy away from telling everyone on repeated occasions that he wanted to leave the club in the summer, yet he is continuing to start most weeks since the window shut, delivering performances so inconsistent, you just can't predict what you're going to get next. And, Jim, I want to bring it back round to you because you mentioned a point that when Watford went in front, they certainly didn't part the bus. They went for more. And to be fair, on that point, you know, Spurs already behind... Very fortunate to also not concede a penalty as Vertonghen caught Watford's Delefeu and VR ruled it in the home side's favour. And looking back at it, you know, Spurs and Vertonghen, we survived that VAR check on that penalty claim because it looked a very close call. How do you think we got away with that, Jim, on second viewing, third viewing even? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> you know, uh, it was a penalty all day long. Um I just I don't understand it. I mean, what's going to happen with VAR? I mean, are they going to review it at the end of the season? Is that the thing? And 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 whether or not it comes back or is it here to stay now? I don't know. But listen, it's been a, our friend on occasions, and it certainly was on Saturday, because um, because yeah, it was a clear penalty. Um, but yeah, that was the thing is that Watford Watford came at us. They gave us a game. Uh, you know, you would expect a team who hasn't won. Um, yeah, in the league to to sit back and um, and uh, and soak us up. All right, it's a long time for them to do that, and they had to, I suppose, have a go at some point. But they were bossing us. Um, I have to ask you, Jim, on that point. You know, for Tongan and Alderweireld, once of the Premier League and Europe, the best central defensive partnerships. It seems a shadow of its former self. Is it purely the fact of the start of the season? You know, for Tongan's being dropped for tactical reasons and out of here not signing that new contract. Is that what you solely put that down to, the reason behind their massive slump in form? I mean, I, who can say? Look, there's, room, there's been rumours all over the place and, uh, you know, I don't think we'll, we'll be the last ones to get an explanation. But I, I, there has to be something. I mean, the, their dip in form has been so uh, just... So quick. <laughs> so quick. Sorry, I can't get my words yeah, out. It's yeah. just... It's just unbelievable. This is the thing, as you say, these these two centre backs were the envy of the league. Um, you know, we there was a point when I remember when City were, were were thinking about buying our entire back four when we had like Rose and, and Walker and everyone else. You know, the, the th I suppose it's you know it's always going to happen if you if you hang on to your best players for a long time and um, you don't refresh they, the squad. This is what this is what it is isn't it, at the moment. This is it. You know, they slowly every player slowly gets phased out of the first team and. And, and, and gradually becomes um, a bit more of a bit player. And, and, and I suppose that this is the beginnings of that chapter. 
in their career, perhaps, or maybe they need to go off to a slower league. But they both. It looks like they both lost a yard in pace. Um, Especially for Tongan, wouldn't you say, Jim? Across the summer, you know, yeah, positionally wise, he was never one of the fastest, but he read the game so well. But I think, like you said, there, he's lost a yard of a yard of pace, and even now, Davira, one of the best passers of the ball at the moment, is launching these balls into orbit, and they're not really finding anybody. No, and that was his, he had such a good game against Crystal Palace for, uh, uh, and, and Davira, and, and uh, you know, and that's that was his game. Uh, you know, pinging balls over to Son. Um, getting through their back line. I think that the thing about Jan Vertonghen is that he's always had, he's always been such a cultured defender. He's always been so classy. As you say, he reads the game well. He's never really had much pace. But at the moment, he just looks at six and sevens and it's, it's becoming consistent. And it, it has to be that they don't feel settled at the club at the moment. I mean, I, that's the only ex- yeah. reasonable explanation. As you say, you know, centre-halves, they can play well into their 35s, 36. You know, in this league, it's getting faster, so it's probably getting the, 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 the right age is, 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 is younger. But there's some, something's happened because yes. their dipping form is, um, is, is uh, for all to see. Agree. I mean, and also, coming round to you, Em, Davidson Sanchez ended up being a scapegoat at half-time. You would struggle to argue that he was anywhere near the worst performer in the back three on that day. Yeah, absolutely. I was really shocked, actually, that he's the one that everybody's picking on because I think that the mistakes he's been making, you can put so much of it down to inexperience. And actually, you know, Vertonghen and, and Alderweireld seem to have been getting a free pass for actually playing a lot worse. Um, and it's a bit like, you know, we mentioned earlier on in, in this chat about the fact that, you know, Sanchez will be at the club next season. Vertonghen and Alderweireld both will probably be gone. We shouldn't be trying to knock down the player who is like the future of our defence. We should be trying to encourage him and and you know help him learn from his mistakes and you know give him the confidence that he needs to progress as a defender because all the the raw talent is there with Sanchez. Definitely, you can see it. It's like the potential is there, and you think a lot of you know a lot of what he needs to to improve on will actually come with with age and experience. It's exciting to have him as as such a young prospect. Um, but I mean, it's kind of, you know, what the guys have said earlier, like the, the drop off in form from from Toby and Jan is is alarming, I think, to say that. And had we had better options or alternatives or or had, uh, I don't know, any newer signings in the defensive line, then perhaps they wouldn't be playing as regularly as they are. But, you know, I I'm really at a loss as to, to what we do with them because neither of them at the moment are really making the grade. And like you said, it's Sanchez who seems to be taking all the all the, the grief for that. And that's that's not fair because I actually don't think a lot of it is down to him. Yeah, I mean, it's worth noting, I know he was on a booking, but I totally agree that at the moment, from a, from a perspective of playing-wise, it's very, very harsh that he had to come off. But maybe on the booking, Maritza didn't want to take the risk. One of those things. But there was one positive, and my God... Hopefully, this is the start of this guy returning to form because, for me, Deli Ali is one of those players that I've always championed that there's a player in there. You have to keep behind him. And at the moment, the form we're going on, you need someone to stand up, to be counted. And to be fair, although a point at the moment, it feels like a defeat, that point could be massive in terms of our season. Mauricio Pochettino has described the result in terms of the one step to rebuilding the confidence. And Deli Ali got Spurs the goal. M, to stick with you, Deli Ali equalising, massive goal that could be in our season. I may be clashing at straws here, but it's great to see him back <laughs> on the score sheet, isn't it? 
I mean, it's definitely the one positive that we can take away. It had been a real, I think, a real concern that, you know, he'd been out for a long time with injury. And then when he came back, like himself, he didn't look particularly up to speed. He wasn't, wasn't playing with his own confidence. And I think maybe it has been playing on his mind, especially like we forget how young he is still. You know, such an impact player for us and for England. He, you know, things like going a lot of games without scoring. Like I think that plays a lot more on your mind when you have less experience. It was a, it was a well-taken goal, actually. Um, controversy about whether it was handball, VAR and all that shambles. Finished and everything was nicely done and fully. For him, that is now, you know, the moment where he... He starts to believe in himself more, and we can kind of see we were used to seeing a couple of seasons ago, and he literally played with no fear. I don't know. I guess it must be difficult now. There is so much. I, I do wonder, just with Delhi, but actually with quite a lot of our team, is that you know the expectations on Tottenham as a side um, to perform and to play outstandingly and to beat teams routinely. Um, I think a lot of these players perhaps were not used to having that kind of expectation because we, as a team and as a club, never had that level of expectation because people didn't expect us to routinely go out and, for example, beat Manchester United 3-0 at Old Trafford last season or, or you know, get to the Champions League final. And now that expectation is there. I think perhaps there's an element of some of our team are struggling to deal with that. And I think Delhi is perhaps an example of that. But hopefully, you know, a goal is a goal. It's done. Like you said, it got what perhaps could be an important in the context of the season um, particularly I mean you, you know United got a result against Liverpool today so you know it's, it's good that we've managed to maintain at least that two gap over them I mean you know it's good to know we're above somebody yeah, um, above so, somebody so you know I think um, I, I think hopefully maybe for Delhi this is a turning point um, and that can only be be a positive thing obviously there is another positive Sonny still I mean I, I think I agree with the point made earlier that um, he should have started rather than been on the bench. Um, I know that he couldn't have paid full 90, but it would have been better for us to be on the front foot rather than having to react to, you know, him getting us out of trouble by coming on as a substitute. But as as per usual, you know, he, he gives us all, he looks lively, he terrorises defences with, with his pace and his movement. And he also, um, I think everybody's probably seen the clip that's been going around on Twitter. I think it must have been Korean TV that was just filming him. And obviously it's from when we conceded the goal. And, uh, oh, bless you know, him. It's, yeah. bless him. If, if there's ever a player that cares, it was right there in that moment. And his English, you know, he certainly learned all the swear words, which, that's for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but, it was, but that's brilliant to see. That's what you, you, that's what you want to see from your team. And like, you know, always be a positive for me. So, that's two positives. I've given you two positives now. Thank you, Em. So it's better than nothing. <laughs> no, better than nothing. I mean, as you said about Deli Ali, he, he has ended his now his longest scoring drought for I think over. Let's, the, the stat is that he's scored his first Spurs goal since January, ending the longest scoring drought of his club career. He had previously gone seventeen appearances, one thousand four hundred and twenty-two minutes, thirty-two shots without scoring. So he's ended that, and he's also now directly been involved in over seventy Premier League goals, better than zero point five per game, despite not having reached his peak years. So I think there's plenty more to come with Delhi. And John also a stat out there, which I think you told me becomes the first Spurs player to score, or I think second now to score at four different grounds. So just on that goal, John, you know, there was a huge amount of confusion as first VAR's check against the possible handball then showed the stadium screen showing no goal, despite the referee pointing to the halfway line. The players from Watford protested, but it was just a mistake. What the hell happened, John, after that goal went in? No one had a clue what was going on. Oh, it was a shambles, wasn't it? I think, you know, we've all seen that um, VAR's not perfect yet. And as Jim said earlier, Watford definitely should have had a penalty in the first half. 
But yeah, it's just uh, it, it it did make me laugh to be honest because it's like at least no one knows what's going on. It's not just me. Because <laughs> at the minute that's a, that's kind of how I feel. I think week in week out now we're getting to I'm getting to the point where I think this calendar year the only top ten team we've beaten is Leicester. It's something like. 40 points from 29 games in 2019 and you think this is like it's been one of the worst years I can remember like it's been so long since an away win January the 20th and you, you just totting up all these stats and we do have to take some comfort from the fact that as you said Deli Ali became the second Tottenham player to score at four different home well home in inverted commas stadiums for us that's pretty much all we've got Goal by grasping the- aren't we John we, well, I say grasping we're clutching at straws here we really really are and Jim for you Deli Ali how important is it to hopefully get him back to his best form because he is a player that for me he has got the ability to change a game in an instance and he scores in big games doesn't he as well Jim yeah he's a big game player he turns up I think he thrives off the big games we all know what he's capable of He's capable of special things. And, um, you know, if we can get him back to his best, if we can get him playing with confidence, um, you know, if we can get him off the, um, the treatment table, then, you know, that is a, that's a real positive. And I think, you know, I'm, if anyone was going to score this weekend, I was just glad it was him, to be honest, because, you know, him coming back was the, was the big positive before the game. And there was an optimism before the game as well. You know, the fans were opt- optimistic given our, our run of form. I think people believed that we could, um, you know, really put a, a new one, to be fair. Um, but yeah, Delhi, all good. Um, I'm hope- hopefully he can uh, progress from this from this Saturday. Emma alluded to the case that after the game, Maurizio Pochettino said that the atmosphere wasn't helping the Spurs players. He said that the atmosphere was not in the way you love to play. I understand why, though. I have to say, in the last 20 minutes, our fans were amazing and really pushed us on. Is it a difficult a difficult topic to tread when you are criticising the supporters when the football being served up on the pitch isn't the greatest? Or is he fair to say that the atmosphere isn't the greatest? I think it's fair to say, since we've got into that new stadium... It is difficult at times to retain the atmosphere we used to have at White Hart Lane where you felt that 36,000 crowd could really drive you, you know, onto a victory. Are we finding that really hard to adapt to in the new stadium? Is he fair to say that given the nature of results and how we're playing at the moment? Uh, I think the stadium itself is, 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 you know, it's fantastic. The first couple of, the first couple of games that we played there, uh, the Palace game and then the City game, the, the Champions League game. My ears were ringing when I got home. Uh, it was so loud. And I think, you know, look, you, fans will react to what they see on the pitch. You know, the, the, we, we, we managed to change gear in, on Saturday and, and all of a sudden play with some desire. And the fans react to that. I thought that, the, I thought that it was a positive atmosphere before the game. Um, the, the atmosphere was supercharged and uh, we let a goal in six minutes in. Uh, you know, I think Spurs fans, it is a trepidatious arena. There's no doubt about it. It can get quite quiet. But, look, you know, we've had to, uh, we've had to, we've had a lot to swallow over the years. And um, yep. we're very much used to the, to the ups and downs. And, 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 you know, supporting a Spurs fan, there's peaks and valleys with that. And uh, so we, we will react to what we see on the pitch. But I think, you know, the, we always kick off a game with a good spirit. I do. I agree. I agree with that one. You know, fans can only react to what they're seeing on the pitch. And I think it was even more bemusing because I think we did 
speak about it briefly, is that he's come out and said also, Maurizio, that he's now refused to rule out January signings for Spurs. I think you remember, I think back after the Colchester game, it was a case that we need to be ready for January. We are going to act. Then he came out a couple of weeks after that and said, no, we're not looking to sign players. Now, apparently we are. There's a lot of contradiction going on here, John. Can you quite work out what's going on? Because <laughs> it's, it's to and fro at the moment. Yeah, it's all over the place at every level, mate. That's the trouble. I think, like I said earlier, I do think that the chairman feels this time that he failed to do what the manager wanted him to do. And I think that's why this malaise has continued because it, it ultimately it comes from, it, you know, it starts at the top and it shit rolls downhill, doesn't it, ultimately? And I think it's, it's, reached, it's reached the bottom level, which is you know, the players. And it's just, it's filtering into the supporter base massively. And I think we're going to see a lot of empty seats on Tuesday night, unfortunately. And it will be fans, you know, starting to vote with their feet and I think there's going to this this season. This this we can still salvage this season. It's not yep. over yet. There's still a long, long way to go. But what worries me is that the fact that there doesn't seem to be any kind of there needs to be something, just something that anything a freak result at Anfield would be the perfect way of doing it. Wouldn't that it would just... cheer us up and shut them up? Yeah. But I can't see that happening. But there just needs to be just one result, one I don't know, one incident. One say say that say that. That Delhi goal was a winner on Saturday uh, yesterday. We're all feeling so much more positive about everything than we currently are at the minute. That's all it is. It's just tiny details at the minute that are, that are tucking us up. Yeah, we'll get there. I'm I'm still confident we'll get there, but I, I don't know when it's going to start. Hopefully, it's soon though. Yeah. Well, let's bring Tuesday's game now into play. We've got a massive Champions League game against Red Star Belgrade, where ahead of that, Toby Adeville has insisted the Spurs teammates and himself are fully behind Maurizio Pochettino. He says, there's a team on that pitch and you can see us fighting, in his opinion. That's Toby's words there. So on the game itself, John, after that result against Bayern Munich, that leaves Spurs third in Group B. Unlikely to catch leaders Bayern, but they are by no means out of the race to qualify for the knockout stages. But would you say, John, for you, this is a must-win game on Tuesday? Yeah, massively. I think this could be the game which gives Pochettino's reins a little bit more legs if if, the, if any kind of managerial change is on the horizon. Because, as I said, next weekend, it's an, it'll be anything we get up there will be unexpected, so it probably wouldn't count against him. But if we end up not winning on Tuesday, I think that you know that that is when we have to start thinking... That's you know what one draw out of the last four games, and I think that's that's when we're going to start seeing some changes coming. But I think that the most important thing is I, I don't I don't like I, I'm not going to start telling people what to do, but if you're there Tuesday, just be as loud and as proud as you can. Really back the yeah. players. Really get behind them because that's ultimately that's what they need now. And I think that we we have we have a history of being the most fickle set of supporters. The world has ever known, and I no. think that yeah, really, John. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there comes a point where you have to just see it for what it is. It's a game of football, and if and if you are going to go and you are going to spend your hard-earned money doing it, you might as well enjoy yourself. Mm. And I hope that there's it's half term next week, so I'm hoping that there's a lot of children going to be there. I'm taking all three of mine, so I'm going to be absolutely knackered on Wednesday morning. But I'm just hoping it'll be worth it, and we've got a win to crow about because that is like I keep saying, that's what we need. We just need a win. Just, just lift the malaise that's going on at the minute. Give us all something to smile about, and I'm, I'm, I'm really, really confident. Even though Red Star's recent results have been ridiculously good in their domestic league, I think this is the one where it could kickstart us. And you never know what could happen from then on. But if you're going, get behind them, and let's just let's try and, as Jim said earlier, I, I agree 100. percent We've 
what he said about the Palace games and the City games last season. I just think that it's becoming a bit of a burden now. It's an easy, it's an easy thing to take the piss out of us for as well. If the atmosphere is not good, you see it on Twitter. Clubs of other fans who playing tin pot sheds still going. Oh, you can't. Your ground's too big for you. The atmosphere is rubbish. But what don't help is when you see people doing their knitting there and watching videos on their phone when they should be watching the game and getting behind the team. I think we can. We're doing what we can do. Yeah. By buying a ticket. Of course. Be as loud as you can. And also, we want, we want to see a performance as well, John. I think it kind of goes hand in hand. You know, of course you want to support, but the players have to also give you something to cheer about. It's 50-50, think, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But the thing is, <clears throat> we have lost that sense of, I don't know whether we all have, but I always have this massive sense of self-deprecation as a Tottenham fan where you can see and you can laugh through the stupid things. Like, I, I weren't getting angry against Bayern Munich. You just have to smile because... It, firstly, it reminds me of what being a Tottenham fan was for much the, the most part of my life. But also, when when you're not getting results, and when when you do concede a goal, the one thing that always used to happen at White Hart Lane, as soon as the ball hit our net, the Spurs fans would be the first ones you'd hear. Come on, you Spurs! Let's yes. get going. Yeah, agree. Let's get going again. And I think the thing is, the supporter base in that new stadium has been watered down to a degree where that doesn't happen anymore. I still think there's probably only 36,000 diehards in this new ground. And I'm not digging out anyone or the club, but that's just how it feels to me. I think it's a little bit like we, we, it's a little bit like Old Trafford in as much as it's difficult to get any kind of atmosphere going generally there. And same at Wembley. We had the same trouble there where you've got pockets of fans here, there and everywhere. I think a lot of that comes back maybe to where the club put the season ticket holders in the first place. I don't know, but... Just need to get behind the team. That's all we. Can, that's literally all we can do. So let's do it. M, let me go to you. Red Star are Tottenham's next opponents for the group's upcoming double header, and should Spurs win both games, starting in London next Tuesday, then we do stand in a very good position to reach the last sixteen. Do you agree? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you know it, it can't um, it can't get any worse than obviously what happened against Bayern. Um, and I think that you know Red Star are, are eminently beatable home and away. Um, Particularly when you think about the fact at home they're not going to have um, any fans there, so it's you know our stadium for the it's 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 all of us um, backing the team. Um, it will be harder to go away, but I think it's doable. Um, and then of course then we have to we have to travel to Munich, which will be a tough game. So I think if we win the double header, I think we should be fine. I think if we don't win on Tuesday, I I think our progress is in serious doubt. Prediction for you, M, please. Uh, um, I think we. Oh, I don't, I'm. Re- I hate doing predictions. I mean, I hate doing predictions at the best of the time. But right now, uh, God. Um, okay, I'm going to be positive. I'm going to say we're going to win two one. It's going to be scrappy and awful, but there you go. That's a positive I mean. Emma story giving us a two one there. Thank you so much, <laughs> M. Jim, come round to you. The two sides have met twice before. Back in round three. Of the 1972-1973 UEFA Cup, Tottenham won the home leg 2-0 and went through despite losing the away leg 1-0. How do you see it going? And prediction, I, if you don't mind. Well, I think we, we well, I, I think we're going to win. We have to win. Yep. Um, and I think 3-1. 3-1. Okay. And John, what are you thinking? What are you thinking, John, prediction-wise for this? Well... I, I did. I tweeted before Saturday that <clears throat> this is Delhi's day, and I was sort of half right. So I think I'm going to I'm going to stick my neck out and say we're going to win three one. It's going to be a nice, comfortable, beautiful Tuesday night under the lights, and we can maybe we get a chance of seeing our what a night just a couple more times before we end up in the Europa League. 
Yeah. Oh, no. don't say that. Listen, I'm about to end the show on a positive here. It's funny you say it. Listen, for all the negativity of the last hour, we're all predicting Spurs wins. What's the worry about? Exactly. I'm also going to go for a 2-1 Spurs win. I've got a nice stat to end the show on because we need something to end the show on before everybody goes to ring on the Samaritans line here because Spurs' 1960-61 double side remain the only English team to have won 11 consecutive league games at the start of the season after Liverpool dropped points to Man United. And, John, we haven't got anything to worry about, have we? Because Liverpool, no matter how you dress it up, they'll be out to make amends next week. And I forgot, who are we playing? <laughs> yeah, mate. I think we've probably got the most difficult game out there at the minute next Saturday or next weekend. But we'll be all right, I'm we'll sure. We'll be all right, won't we? Oh, listen, we'll... fingers crossed. Big game to come, Tuesday night in the Champions League. John, thank you so much for coming back on. You're welcome, mate. Thanks for having us. You're a diamond. Thank you for this hour. Thank you for the therapy. M, favour coming back on. Always a pleasure. Sorry under the circumstances. No, it's great to be on. Um, it's good to have some group therapy with everyone. So, yeah, cheers for having me. No problem at all. And listen, no cost at all. You've been an absolute diamond for us. And Jim, thank you so much for coming back on. Again, I have to apologise, Jim. It's not under better circumstances. Mate, it's fine. There'll be better days. There'll yeah. be better days. It's you're probably me. <laughs> Do you imagine here? Anything you want to plug at all? Anything you got coming up you want to mention? Um, I'm currently writing series two of Ghosts for BBC One, so that was uh, coming out. Um, that'll be coming out in January. Uh, well, sorry, we're filming that in January. I beg your pardon, and that'll be coming out this time next year. So you've got a bit of a wait. I'll have to come on again and just to remind people. Brilliant. More look out. Look forward to that, guys. And Jim, thank you so much for coming back on. And Ghost God, there's a few of them in this Spurs team, aren't there, at the moment? Yeah, well, I wish there was. I hope we're not writing about like, some of these. Like ghosts. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Fantastic. Jim, thank you for coming back on. Looking forward to having Emma, John and Jim back on this show very soon. Well, guys, huge game in the Champions League on Tuesday night. Keep the faith. And as always, come on, you Spurs. Podcast Network. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the five hour energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HE Travel at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One time use only, not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HE Travel to save 20%.